Welcome back to Trending in Education. Dan Strafford, Mike Palmer, and guest Tarlin Ray along to talk about a zeitgeisty topic. Got to it first, Mike. OK Boomer in the headlines across multiple newspapers, news outlets, social media. Of course, you look at TikTok, you look at Twitter. It is rampant and how it plays both in the workplace and in education. We'll talk about that and more throughout this episode. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing great. I, I'm excited always to have our, our, our generational expert, uh, Tarlin Ray, in our midst. And uh, as you mentioned, Dan, this is, this is very uh, zeitgeisty. This is very spirit of the times. It's, uh, it's in the news. It's, it's going viral. Uh, it's, it's very shareable. Is it snackable? It's probably snackable. It's all the, it's all the good things. And uh, speaking of all the good things, we got Tarlin. I mean, come on, right? What, what more could we want? We're talking zeitgeist, we're talking generations, and we're talking to Tarlin Ray. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a wonderful conversation. I just feel your energy. <laughs> there it Mike, is. Tarlin, Mike, how are you? Mike and Dan. It's raining for the first time out here. Which ah. actually makes, it actually makes me happy. I like a little rain. Yeah. You're out in, a, out in Southern California. Southern California. There's, there's no gloom. There's no gloom when it rains because we need it. Yeah, we're gonna we need to put out the fires that continue to rage, right? And we need to uh, help 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 Mother Earth. So I'm I'm in a good mood. Thank you for having me back. We will dive in from here. Tons to talk about. This has been in the news and uh, throughout social media. Northeastern actually had a, a recent paper on this that I want to quote directly from here to start. Uh, the sort of origins of OK Boomer has been via social media. Something I did not know. Apparently on TikTok, uh, yeah. the sort of video platform where you combine dancing and music uh, that many Gen Zers are using, it has uh, the phrase has amassed almost 1 billion views. So the phrase being used across videos has amassed over 1 billion views. And Mike, we, I, I think that's a good jumping off point of the origin of the phrase, the use of it on social media, a Gen Z maybe origin story that has been then adopted by millennials to, to sort of group age groups here uh, in, uh, somewhat liberally at the top of the show. But this has caught on and obviously has become a phrase that has become very popular across multiple different mediums. Any thoughts on the, the growth, the origin and where we now stand with the phrase and, and how it's come to be? Yeah. Uh, first off, uh, we got to get our TikTok game together. Like trendy. <laughs> when I think video dance moves that appeal to Gen Z, I think trending in education. So I feel like you know, a little follow up work for us. I'll fly uh, out for that. I'm yeah. In. Yeah. Okay. Good. For, first good. time. First time on TikTok. I'll yeah. Be yeah. We'll, we'll work. We'll workshop that. Uh, but uh, but yeah, TikTok's an interesting. Um, you know, TikTok is sort of the new version, the, the new hotness for the younger set, sort of picking up where uh, Snapchat was leaving off. And, uh, and it's, it's, it's not surprising to me that OK Boomer emerged from there. Um, taking a step back, it's just, it's kind of hilarious that this generational stuff is treated as though it's real. Uh, there, there's, there's aspects of it that are real, of course. Uh, there's, you know, age effects, cohort effects, and period effects. Those are all real things. So like, how old are you? Who's in the group that you uh, socialize with and you're exposed to in your day to day? And, uh, and then what's going on at a macro level in the period you're living in? Those things are real. Turning that into uh, the sort of constructs of generations 
ties back to the pseudoscience of uh, Strauss Howe. Uh, and Tarlin loves when I talk Strauss Howe, so I'm going to come back to that a little bit later on. But, um, but it's, super, uh, it, it's super interesting to think about how this relates to like macroeconomic situation uh, that's emerging. You know, the boomers are getting older. Uh, they're, they're likely have to work longer. Uh, Gen Z and millennials are taking on a lot of student debt. They're not sure what the future is going to look like. And, uh, and then it's also uh, interestingly tied to global warming and client, uh, climate change, uh, which uh, reminds me back to when we were talking about kid solving and sort of the, the Parkland incident and how much these, uh, you know, the way Gen Z and millennials to a certain extent are really activating uh, through um, uh, their right to assemble and their right to free speech. Uh, it does, it harkens back to the 60s a bit, you know, don't trust anyone over the age of 30. Um, but, uh, but it also feels a little more frothy and fake uh, because it's so powered by social media and what's meme worthy and all that. So, uh, so yeah, Tarlin, Tarlin, what, what, let's talk, let's talk about it for a second. So yeah. it's a billion views on TikTok. Yeah. And Dan, Mike, you spend a lot of time on TikTok. hundred percent. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it really, the boomers in this whole okay boomer movement had no idea that this was probably going on. Right. <laughs> yeah. So to your point, it's a way to, Back in the day, you'd say whatever, or there are yeah. phrases that were out there, and it's yeah. a way to create content, a way for them to um, release some pent-up anxiety, frustration, and yeah. point it in direction of people that have power and mm -hmm. that they believe to have created the world that they're in today, and this is the way they can get back. So fun videos and things like that are the way that they get out. So really, when did they jump to shark? When did they become something that now boomers are senses about or know about because I think for a long time they had no idea anyone was talking about them and they were right. living right. blissfully. Yeah. So it was, was it the moment and I'm trying to remember the, um, the woman in, um, in New Zealand, New Zealand, the lawmaker, Chloe Swarbrick brick. Yes. Um, when she was she's only 25 years old as a lawmaker in New Zealand, which is amazing in itself. Yeah. But her old, you know, fired okay. Boomer phrase. Cause her colleagues were heckling her. You're right. So is that the moment that it becomes something that we're now talking about? Yeah. Because prior to that, they could have had 2 billion views and right. no one would have, the boomers, no one would have known it would not hit the news. I, and I love that you brought up Jump the Shark, which is like, that's, that may not be, that, that turn of phrase I think people understand, but only those of us of a certain age who, who understood how, how cool it was for Fonzie to be water skiing in a leather jacket jumping over uh some live sharks uh understand the actual root of that uh that turn of phrase but it is kind of hilarious uh to your point though that uh the way this stuff reaches the the broader audience is very much uh limited by the the media channels that they consume so it's almost like it's got to be uh, almost like broadcast media. It's almost like got to be covered on like television. Like like by the time it was on Fox News and MSNBC, then you know that the boomers probably saw it. 
because that's 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 like their main channel and also once it crossed over into i'm sure it started on uh tiktok but i'm sure it crossed over into facebook yeah once it's in facebook uh the boomers you know the hip boomers are are at least on facebook many of them are on all these platforms although honestly if you're a boomer and you're on tiktok and you don't have grandkids like it's a little creepy. you may want to you may want to you may want to re, re, re yeah check that choice I think uh, we have lots of lanes to go down from here. The origin story being clear. And uh, I think that uh, the harken back to jumping the shark works as well uh, to understand as these things grow and as they become mainstream and as they become uh, something that many people refer to, I had seen it fairly regularly on Twitter over the summer as a phrase, something that had started to be uh, a flippant response to someone that you assumed was a boomer, assumed was part of that generation for a take on, the economy, college cost, or the environment. Like that seemed to be the, the reaction use and phrase. Tarlin, from your viewpoint, just how interactions happen on social media and how we learn from these things, is a flippant phrase going to cause social change in your eyes? Or is this sort of just uh, some angst and some anger that is being blown off by a generation that feels like they've been uh, left uh, the 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 check, left the bill for a prior generation. No, a real conversation. It's not a real conversation. So there's, uh, if someone's saying, okay, boomer, you would say, you just said it's either tied, oftentimes tied to the environment. Some people tie also to political corruption and what's going on mm -hmm. in our government, um, college tuition costs, but uh, it's not oftentimes why people are saying it. So mm -hmm. if you're on the other end, you're the boomer, you're shutting your, you're going to shut yourself down from the conversation. You feel like it's just um, another phrase that's being thrown out there or something that, that these kids these days are saying where they truly don't understand. Mm -hmm. And I have some boomers in my life. Um, you like to say that they're continuing to be lifelong learners, but they're fully baked. Mom and dad, they, they have their, their, their uh, perceptions. They have their, their beliefs. So unless it creates a, dialogue um so what's behind the phrase then it just it's you're now just shouting something else into the echo chamber where people really ought to understand each other and we're not having uh real discourse yeah i, I totally agree there because like it and it also does it goes more viral on twitter and elsewhere because it's uh you're, you're kind of trolling old people you know and it's like oh that's exciting look you're oh it's so edgy that you put that out there oh you you really pwned them, uh, P W N E D. You're welcome, uh, but uh, but but there is an element of that, and uh, that brings me to. I know we're going to probably talk a little bit about Harvard on this show, so I wanted to start to Harvard's a, a university in uh, in Cambridge, Massachusetts, uh, that 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 some of us may have heard of, but uh, but they Harvard uh, Business Review wrote a really great article uh, about the how generational stereotypes uh and meta stereotypes are are really damaging and i think that's kind of uh what i was picking up from what you were saying tarlin too is that you know the the idea first off you know the article talks about the fact that the the differences between the generations are overstated to begin with so to say that you know a boomer behaves this way or uh, you know, millennials are, are snowflakes is just like, uh, it's a stereotype, it's damaging, and it's not actually uh, based, in, based in reality. So that's the first point. Uh, 
The second point is that the, the meta stereotypes are almost even more damaging. And the meta stereotype is the perception that people of that, uh, that class, you know, so the, in this case, you know, boomers, um, the way they think they're perceived by other generations can actually change the way they, they behave. So for example, a boomer who is, is sort of shutting down in response to the okay boomer phenomenon when, when they hear about it may wind up feeling less comfortable talking about how their, their work goes or talking about their, you know, how they're trying to engage with technology or how they're trying to learn something new or different. The meta stereotype that everybody thinks I don't understand this stuff can actually begin to be internalized and actually can sort of create even bigger divisions between generations when what we really need is more, uh, you know, uh, mixing of the generations. Like there's a lot of research that talks about, you know, diversity and inclusion among uh, folks throughout their throughout their lives, the more that the the generations are actually uh, interacting with each other in a positive way, is hugely beneficial. Uh, and and meanwhile, uh, work and life is becoming increasingly um, segregated by uh, by age. So, like, I think those are really interesting ideas that relate to kind of the surface phenomenon of OK Boomer. And uh, and I did think that article was was worth uh, worth spending a little more time on because um, like especially understanding that like like we've talked about the end of average on the show a bunch of times like identifying anybody anybody by one attribute of them is is hugely limiting and then a lot of this stuff does really smack of of ageism really in in all directions like to to act as though you really understand who someone is based on their age is, is, is a real dangerous stereotype to begin with. So like, um, I thought that area was interesting to talk about. I'd love to, to hear um, each of your thoughts on that. Do you want to go, Dan? Sure. Um, I think that as we try to tackle the discussion points, the self-fulfilling prophecies that come true. Like as you keep saying something, people start to believe it is the biggest concern. Mm -hmm. And so from a learning perspective, from an education perspective, from a workforce perspective, I think the, the more we can talk about just knocking down those stereotypical barriers and, and getting rid of them in, in our lexicon. Yes. Okay. Boomer is fun. Like there is a certain sense of seeing it on social media and seeing the, the, um, you know, discarding of somebody in that way, uh, it can be funny, but it is also limiting. And Tarlin, you said before, it limits the discussion. It limits the, the ability to have an actual conversation around these topics. So stereotypes exist and they grow and they now, I think in social media, grow that much faster and bigger and are shared across multiple platforms. So I think as a workforce, as learners, as educators, it's just incumbent to, to try to, you know, get beyond them and, and fo focus on that intergenerational uh, work groups and, and understand how that plays in diversity and inclusion. I know we've talked about this before mm -hmm. uh, as, a, as a group. And Tarlin, I'd love to hear your thoughts. I know you've had, we've had this discussion before on how this plays and how you see the generational divides that end up, <clears throat> pardon me, end up being sort of discussed and then become tr true because they were discussed playing out in the workforce and in education. Um. Big question. Daniel always has big questions. Yeah. Um, 
just going back to the article, I think, and thanks for sharing it ahead of time as well. Um, it's interesting where younger workers will see themselves or think of themselves as, or believe that other people think they're unmotivated or responsible. Mm -hmm. Older workers, um, probably their perception is that they're Luddites and that mm -hmm. they are slower and can't keep pace. And that in actuality, especially as you think about the boomers, uh, the younger workers think about them as being responsible, hardworking, mm -hmm. and actually a place they go to for uh, counsel. So just understand the reverse. I mean, I'm not a boomer, but I've talked about on this show, on this podcast before, not wanting to be old man on porch, um, saying, uh, yelling to some of the younger workers. Yeah. And I've already started to flip to believe that um, behaviors that I take or, or positions that I take may, may, may feed into a stereotype because of where I sit as a Gen Xer. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, it's massively hard. You got a lot of um, what, what you read out there, um, how fast information is flowing. And just because we are, because of when we were born, we're just behind the eight ball because we weren't born with these, this powerful pieces of technology out there, the internet and other things. Mm -hmm. It's going to be massively hard to um, individually change the perception. So one of the things they said in the article is to fight ageism and to remove sort of this um, artif artifice, which generational divide is actually have these conversations mm -hmm. as a manager talking about stereotypes and meta stereotypes. And I think that is also a really tough place to dive into as well. Not as hard potentially as um, some of the conversations around race, um, but I do believe that it has, um, uh, it's a very sticky, sticky issue. And I believe a lot of managers that they're trying to tackle it are not prepared to have the yeah. conversation. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And, and I think the, what kind of trainings are going to emerge for managers? Um, really, it does, to me, what's so interesting about it is that, you know, particularly when you, you, you take a really wide view of diversity and inclusion um, is when it gets super interesting. So like even in the example of, uh, let's, let's say we accept that the younger generations who grew up with screens have uh, more natural competencies with, uh, with those technologies when they're up when they're developing them exclusively uh within a group that is young you know so like they don't have any gen x on up in uh their their sort of product development function or whatever they're building or whatever they're trying to start it's it's likely that they're not going to have new ideas or different perspectives that would ultimately make those outputs better because ultimately the markets that you may want to tap into it's the same same argument for any form of uh diversity and equity and inclusion when you're sort of thinking about decision making you actually want to have as many varied inputs as possible to make the group process as effective as it can be and uh and i think i think you're right also tarlin that like this is a safer way to get into diversity and inclusion i think uh safer in that like I, I think it's probably while it's still emotionally charged it's likely less less likely to to sort of go in a dangerous direction um 
but even the, the whole concept of how dangerous the direction is, I think is frequently overstated. I think it's more the, the tools that you could, that, that we could equip managers with to, to have tougher conversations. Um, it's actually something, you know, no joke. It's something that I think podcasting can like model um, the types of conversations that, in the, you know, the tone of the conversation, the way you can kind of lean into some of the more challenging aspects of, uh, of some of these topics. Um, I've been surprised, maybe not overly surprised, but I've been a bit surprised that there aren't better uh, training materials and better um, uh, practice that uh, folks can go through as, not just as managers too. Like I think lots of times employees want to lean in on this uh, as well to feel a sense of connection to the organization. Um, like I, I do think it's, there's a real opportunity here and uh, you know, I think we'll, we'll probably gravitate back to the frothier uh, okay boomer stuff in, in a bit, but, uh, but any thoughts on that Tarlin, just around like the, the training and um, you know, whether uh, where and how, leaders and individuals can kind of lean into the, you know, diversity and inclusion, equity conversations in the workplace. Cause like, it does seem like there's, there's so much work to be done. Like the fact that, you know, okay, boomer exists almost is, it, it, it just sort of signals that like any way people can identify themselves, there's going to be really emotionally charged conversations about identity and uh inclusion and um i'd love to get your perspective on it because i know you you've sort of attacked the problem from a, fr a few different directions but just you know how do you think about using conversations like this to um to show like that it's okay to talk about difference and it's okay to kind of structure the structure a healthy discourse within a workplace um i'd love to hear your thoughts on that yeah i think um, oftentimes you come into the office, you're stacked with meetings and you're trying to get that next project out. I think mm -hmm. an opportunity to uh, work in an organization where you had to try to find some time and space in a, in a month to sort of have some meteor topics to discuss. Mm -hmm. um, what we had the benefit of having people that were spending time, their own personal development time, digging into the topic so we can open up the conversation in a safe way. Mm -hmm. I think when it comes to um, boomers, generations, um, it, if you believe the CNBC um, recent article that came out, boomers are the fastest growing sector or fastest growing population in the workforce. Uh, mm -hmm. 65 to 74 are coming back in. Um, people are living longer. Um, they want to be able to contribute. Um, they need to potentially come back in the workforce because they're living longer and they, they, the, the amount they had saved for retirement is not going to sustain. Mm -hmm. So if you know that population is going to continue flooding, it's going to be about the largest group, you're going to have to have these conversations. Because imagine a, an organization where you, you go from 22 to 70. That's just a different range of experiences, mm -hmm. perspectives. And I think it's healthy to, um, I think the best way to have some common ground is actually enable people to share their foundation, share mm -hmm. their sort of contextualize who they are and where they come from. Mm -hmm. I think oftentimes it's easy to, okay, boomer or to label someone because you, you lack context. So mm -hmm. I think within an organization, you can do that. 
Um, obviously, you need to you need to focus on what's most important: value for your customer, value for your shareholders, delivering uh, top line, bottom line results that you continue to sustain as an organization. Mm-hmm. This is the way that you become healthy. If you're thinking about engagement within an org, that's how you become healthy within the org is mm-hmm. having that type of space. So it's yeah, gonna I, have to it's gonna have to happen because right. there's not less. It's not they're boomers aren't retiring out and I don't have to deal with them. Like they're gonna continue to be in the workforce. Yeah, and and I, I think it's also like at least much of the the research that I've read about this talks about how no matter how you slice diversity whichever dimension you're looking at diversity on more diverse groups tend to make better decisions they tend to be more uh creative in terms of the the types of solutions they explore so like ultimately uh to me the strongest case for diversity and inclusion in the workplace is that it it is in fact good for business and that's the that's sort of the 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 way to kind of like almost get whatever emotional baggage people have you know put it aside for a second when you are actually looking at the bottom line for your business and when you're looking at your culture and how you make decisions you know if everybody in the room that is making these important decisions is over indexing on any dimension it's dangerous and like i think that insight it's dangerous aside from just being unjust, it's just dangerous in that, like, you're going to have groupthink, you're going to make bad decisions, you're not going to be creative, you're not, there's nothing added to the, the, you know, you have 12 people in a room, you know, all of the same age, all of the same race, all of the same gender. There's no additional perspective added by the ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th person on that board of directors, for example. And uh, that to me is like, that's the big idea. And, uh, and it, the fact that it's good for business is the thing that, um, like, I want to do a better job even, like, just driving home on that message. Aside from the fact that I know it's also something I feel strongly about is just the right thing, and I get more personal fulfillment out of it. But I think it's all, it's all kind of nested in the same idea where, like, if you're not seeking out diverse perspectives, and if you're not trying to empathize with all the the variability in modern life you're you're actually limiting yourself and in the case of of any sort of uh you know business effort you're actually you know creating arbitrarily low ceilings for yourself in terms of your potential so um any thoughts on that uh t ray while while we have you uh i was was just thinking you the way you're saying it's good for business this goes back to the conversation we had following the business roundtable coming out with their five core principles and one of them i i i don't remember all of them but it's it's about sort of focus on their and internal teams on their employees and so what you're describing i think would fit within we can find a way to weave and fit within what the business roundtable is talking about yep um and that goes to diverse perspectives understanding each other and hopefully not turning um and I think companies would tear themselves apart, but not turning um, companies and businesses into what we see just day to day outside in the news as they talk about our politics and everything else. So yeah. I think um, what you're describing would fit right in line with what Jamie Dimon, that group is talking about, go mm-hmm. forward 
as they think about creating value and the way to have healthy businesses. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then the related thing I think is in the, so that's in the business context, I think in a political context is where you're seeing more of this sort of um, arguably righteous indignation by the younger generations who are saying, look at our presidential candidates in the U S look at the average age of a Senator, look at the average age of someone on the Supreme court. Um, you know, obviously like in Congress, we're starting to see younger representation. And even in the example of New Zealand, a 25 year old, you know, folks actually can feel like, okay, that person gets me because I see more of myself in that uh, political representative. Um, I have seen a lot and especially heading into 2020, like how do you activate the younger generations when they feel like their representation isn't necessarily going to, to their representative isn't necessarily going to be someone they can, they feel really genuinely understands them. Counterpoint, you know, Bernie seems to be connecting with, with, uh, with the younger set, even though he's, he's in his seventies. But I think that's interesting. Like the, the sort of political pushback. Uh, he's putting out, just put pause. He's putting out policies that are going to support them speaking to them. hundred percent. Yeah, right. absolutely. But somehow he's connecting and he's developed because to me, a lot of it is developing trust with people who aren't necessarily, you know, directly in how you might identify yourself. And, um, and I think that's particularly challenging with the rising generations who uh, feel that sense of outrage, disconnect, um, you know, powerlessness uh, in terms of the political process. Although it does seem like they're, does seem like they're registering to vote. It's likely that they will uh, be activated in the coming year. But I think it's almost like the perspective of uh, being politically active is expanding beyond voting, uh, particularly for the younger generations. And uh, that's the other, it's like a Harvard show, uh, but the, that's the other uh, topic that I thought was interesting, uh, Dan, that you were bringing out was uh, the game, uh, the game, uh, which is Harvard versus Yale uh, was where the, the, the climate uh, protest happened. And even during that climate protest, I didn't know that until you shared the article, Dan, that, that the students, one of the things they were chanting was okay, Boomer. Um, so uh, Dan, you wanna maybe catch, catch us up a little on, on that? Sure, during the uh, Harvard-Yale uh, game, which is uh, a big game every year in uh, the college football ranks in the Ivy Leagues, uh, there was a protest by some students about uh, Harvard's involvement in climate change and, and policies on campuses across the, the country. And they, I'm gonna say storm the field, they did not. They proceeded to sit in the middle of the field and suspended the game, Harvard versus Yale, for a while. Yale went on to win in, I, I think you said quadruple overtime. Quadruple overtime. But the part of it was that they were protesting. And oftentimes, Tarlin, you made the point, protests are to get people talking about things. And people now are talking about this protest and, and how it influenced the game. Uh, but one of the things, as Mike said, they were chanting, OK, Boomer. So it all sort of comes together to what we're talking about before about climate change and, and, and blaming or, or putting that firmly in the seat of the boomer generation uh, or what the, the Gen Z students here are doing uh, on campus. So I, I, it was a, a, an interesting story, one that I was sort of following at first and read the whole, the whole article. Um, protest still works, right? The conversation is about what they were protesting along with us talking about them using OK Boomer, of course, but yeah, an interesting I, story to track. Yeah, and I'd love to get, I know Tarlin has some affinities to, uh, to that university uh, in Cambridge. Full disclosure, uh, they were not just protesting Harvard. They were also protesting 
Yale's, uh, Yale's right. endowment as well, which is somewhat divested. But I, I think it's also like how much were they targeted in their protest versus, you know, loosely affiliated? Because I mean, I'm sure some students in uh, watching uh, obviously what was going to be a riveting football game, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I think some of them probably were like, oh, that's cool. People are, my, my buddy's running out on the field. Let me get in on that. You know, so like how much of it is specifically trying to target the um, the really weighty question around divestment, which I don't think we necessarily want to wade into right now. Maybe maybe a useful topic for us to pick up in the future. But I think just seeing that 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 also picked up a lot of uh, press and uh, and then the fact that it's becoming almost it does seem very analogous. I think the CNBC article talked about this, the you know, in the 60s, you know, don't trust don't trust anyone over 30 uh, was, was a big thing that boomers themselves were saying uh, when they were protesting uh, the war in Vietnam. And now for OK Boomer to be sort of turning that around and then when you see this collective action by Gen Z that they're then sort of reverting back to the TikTok meme. Uh, so, so Tarlin, I gave you, I, I gave you a little bit of cover uh, on the on the Harvard side, uh, but let's uh, not talk about the game. The, the, yeah, they, yeah. they won. So, yeah. what's interesting is, would it have as much pickup? Um, I thank you. I read the article as well. I'm going to read a quote. But would it have had as much pickup if, if they were not chant, chanting "OK Boomer"? Hmm. Because they typically, the Washington Post um, interviewed a uh, former Yale football player. And the comment was, they're all supposed to be intelligent people. Looks like there's a lot of common sense that's missed this, their generation. Says, yeah. And it's from a six-year-old, eight-year-old gentleman. Who was sitting on, in, sitting on his porch. Smack dab in the boomer. Yeah. It goes to show this generation is all about themselves and not a football game. Mm -hmm. So um, now there are signs saying this is an emergency. The purpose of the protests was these are two of the largest endowments in the world mm -hmm. and they want to use some influence and use this moment where they'll get pickup nationally mm -hmm. to get them to divest from their fossil fuel investments. And I think there's um, uh, something around Puerto Rican debt. Yep. So I'm asking back if they hadn't been, it's like in, Soccer, you're chanting "Ole, Ole, Ole." If they hadn't been chanting "OK, Boomer," right? Would the articles have been written the way they've been written? No. Or would this fall in line with the protests? Similar are asking and Harvard and Yale to divest in the same way that Dick's Sporting Goods, after some terrible mass shootings in the states, made a decision to start pulling back on selling weapons in their stores, which they had. Um, which not necessarily was, it was controversial. They lost some sales, but that was part of their, they believed to be the moral obligation. Mm -hmm. So I think this OK Boomer chant is potentially, at least for this article, is hurting in a way. Yes. Protests because it enable it's like a trigger mm -hmm. for a boomer to potentially not hear what the message is. Yeah. And focus on these kids that don't get it. And um they're attacking me um in a way with this chant right yeah and the guy he just wanted to watch a fantastic football game you know is really was what's what's really sad about it but uh 
but yeah, I, I agree. Like it, it does seem like, you know, Dan, we talked about this a lot too. Like lots of times the thing that goes viral can wind up undermining uh, a deeper discussion. Same point you were making earlier, uh, Tarlin. Like it's, and like we all, fo- it's like the reptile brain. Like you can't, it's still in there. You can't shut it off. Like the stuff, you know, I even made the joke, you know, the 61 year old was, you know, you know, sitting on his porch. I couldn't resist, you know, cause like, and it is sort of funny, you know? And uh, I think we have to, that's sort of like the next level, I think is just understanding that like, you know, it's complicated and we don't necessarily have the solutions, but like, let's try to go a little deeper than, than the surface reaction. And let's try to resist, uh, you know, dividing into camps in ways that ultimately are, are damaging. Uh, and at the same time, like some of this stuff, you know, uh, I'm a big fan of uh, Stripes, although a lot of people don't understand this reference, but uh, there's also a lot of need for lighten up Francis nowadays. You know, there's a lot of like, Sure, you know, point taken. Okay, boomer is hurtful, but also like, hopefully you're 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 like a grown person who has reached some fulfillment and insight in your life, so that you can actually uh, empathize with somebody who's twenty who's saying okay, boomer to you, just like when you were twenty, you were saying don't trust anyone who's who's over thirty. You know, so so I think a. My other take, aside from this stuff is really important, uh, is uh, a little bit of lighten up, Francis, uh, is probably, uh, maybe that's just, maybe that's me as a whatever Gen Xer uh, who grew up on Stripes, but, uh, but I just kind of wanted to put that out there. I think, I think there is a reasonable uh, assumption that we all need to lighten up a little bit when it comes to social media interactions and expecting uh, that to be nuanced at times uh, when it cannot be, and then letting these things get under our skin a little bit more than we probably should across generations. I, I will include myself uh, in that as well. Uh, as a snowflakey millennial, a cusper, uh, I need to be uh, aware of that as well. I will say, I, I think it's interesting, just a different topic about the media coverage of that protest and mm-hmm. the SEO of it all. Uh, mm-hmm. Did the protesters know using OK Boomer would get the story picked up more or was it the other way around? Or other way around, pardon me, that it did get picked up and to both of your point did their message get lost in the weeds a little bit because of that coverage um which is an interesting uh, interesting chicken or the egg discussion if you read, if you read the article and you get below the fold it actually addresses and starts to talk about the the crux of the protests and you have presidential candidates yeah. congresswomen chiming in so the okay boomer chant could be the equivalent of the Tesla window breaking to draw attention to the fact that there's a new Tesla SUV coming out. Yeah. And Elon is a, is a brilliant marketer. So yes. this is a way to take something good. I, 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 I think you're implying I'm supposed to read the entire article. <laughs> exactly. And that's the challenge. Yeah. Right. You got to get below, you get below the fold. TLDR. Yeah. You get to the meat. If not, the clickbaity nature of it um, will, and as you're saying with social media, you you can't you can't you nece- don't necessarily understand tone, mm. and you can't read body language, right. and that is a big piece of communication. Except on TikTok, you can read that body language, <laughs> dance moves coming but, uh, soon. But, but well done with the Cybertruck uh, reference, Tarlin, too, because that's that's super zeitgeisty, uh, we, and we love talking about Elon Musk. 
uh, and he loves that we're talking about him too. So uh, he has, I, don't, I have on good authority. He hasn't said that to me in person yet, but, uh, but I think any, uh, any discussion of Cybertrucks with, uh, also in addition to increasing sales of Cybertrucks, I, I think it did increase sales of rocks and, and bricks uh, yes. as well. So, uh, so good job with the viral marketing, uh, Elon. Uh, you know, the open invite uh, still, uh, still applies. As always, a conversation that will continue here on Trending Education, of course, on social media as well. We'd love to hear from you all as you listen on Twitter at Training and Ed. The same on Facebook, LinkedIn.com slash Trending and Education. Of course, our website is TrendingandEducation.com. Tarlin, thanks so much for the time. Appreciate you coming back as always. Thank you. Mike, Dan, we'll be back again on Trending and Education next week. <laughs>